This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. In just a moment, I'm going to introduce a special guest speaker with you today. Many of you already know him, but I'm excited to have him speak uh, for Southridge for the very first time. Something I've noticed, and maybe you've noticed it too. In the summertime, my yard needs more, more water. To keep my grass green, it needs more water. Anybody else have the same problem? You have the same problem? Yeah, okay, all right. Some of you are like, no, I have AstroTurf. I have that in the backyard. But in the front yard, I've got good old, uh, it's a Bermuda bluegrass mixed in with something else, all right? So whatever, whatever I bought and I uh, put it in. But I noticed it needs more water to stay green, to stay uh, fresh, to stay alive. It needs more moisture. It needs more food because why? The harsh elements kind of suck the life right out of it. Can I tell you, I'm really appreciative that you take time in the busy summer that you say, you know what? Just like my yard, I'm the same way. You and I, we're the exact same. We need that life. We need that nourishment. We need to be refreshed. You say, where does that happen? It happens when we get around one another, when we get in church, when we hear the word of God opened and somebody preached the truth in the Bible. All of a sudden we walk out, we feel refreshed. We feel energized because life can drain us, can it? Life can beat us down. It could be discouraging sometimes. I was just in traffic and just getting people honking at you and they don't know that, hey, look, I got three kids in the back that are fighting, you know, and I'm just like reaching there. So if I kind of weave a little bit, I wasn't trying to scare you or anything, you know, it's just life can happen. And so when we come to church on Sunday morning, it's not because, hey, uh, we just out of duty. No, no, we need it for life. And it's not just something where in the wintertime, I don't need to water my yard. Why? Because there's lots of that fresh rainwater. Some seasons in life are easier. But you making the effort, say, no, I'm going to get to church. We need it more in the summer seasons. And so be a part of church. So thank you so much. And encourage those around you. You say, hey, I haven't haven't seen so-and-so. I haven't reached out to them. Be like, man, you need church. You need to be refreshed. Just like uh, our our yards need that water. We need it too. So I just want to encourage you with that. But uh, right now, I want to introduce a very special guest to us and uh, many of you know him because he's a drummer one of our uh, uh, excellent drummers here at the church we have several great drummers we're really grateful for the talent that God has given us but I want to introduce Misael Silva he goes by Mike but his full name is Misael come on out and uh, bring the word to us this morning thank you God bless you guys this morning uh, it is truly a privilege uh, to be here with you guys and sharing the word. Thankful for Micaiah and the leadership for allowing me the privilege to be able to serve in this capacity. Um, I also want to thank my wife, if you guys don't know who she is. She's sitting right up here, that beautiful thing right here in the corner. Uh, um, it takes time for me to prepare for anything, and she makes the room and allows me the room to do so. So I'm very thankful for her as well. Um, and I also believe that you have to give honor where honor is due. And I also want to honor our pastors here, Pastor Micaiah and Pastor Jane, for all the work they do. Let's give them a round of applause, amen. Um, They really do a great work, and a lot of times we don't see everything that happens that they do behind the scenes, but they are working and always praying for us, so I'm very thankful for them. Uh, So Pastor Micaiah, where you are, thank you, and Pastor Jane as well. Um, But I'm really glad you're here today, because today is the day 
the day where we're going to talk about an action-packed, Hot Wheels come to life, thrilling movie for all men in the church and some of the ladies. And <laughs> uh, so this is not the notebook. This is not 10 things I hate about you. This is not a walk to remember. This is the movie of all movies, right? This is the Fast and the Furious. And we're going to watch a clip and then we're going to jump right into the word, okay? Epic, yes. Most exciting movie of all time. No, I'm not the only one. Nobody else like muscle cars and hot imports. No? Nitrous, gear shifting, tires, the smell of burning tires. No? <laughs> you know, what I find most interesting, the first movie for Fast and the Furious uh, was released back in 2001. And since then, it has made $3.9 billion. $3.9 billion. Now, that's not the interesting part. The interesting part is that Vin Diesel wears the same shirt every movie. You got $3.9 billion, and his wardrobe is all white T-shirts that they bought at Costco. You know, like, really, $3.9 billion, you couldn't have bought him a better shirt. You know, or then they add the rock, right, and his shirt is so tight he could barely lift up his arms, right? They bought it at Baby Gap. <laughs> But what the point that I'm trying to get at is the, the Fast and the Furious not only relates to us, but relates to what we're going through in society today, that we live in a Fast and Furious life, in a fast, uh, fast and Furious society. Like what I mean is if it's not fast, then we get mad or furious because it's not, right? So, for example, if it's not now, it's too late. If it doesn't get here in two days thanks to Amazon Prime, it's too late. Nobody else has Amazon Prime? No? Okay. Right? We pay for it because we want it now. It's my money and I want it now, right? Called J.G. Wentworth? No. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is we become furious at the fact that nothing is happening. The Wi-Fi runs too slow. Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. So, no, nobody else likes Chick-fil-A. <laughs> okay. So the point that I'm trying to get at is if we're racing everywhere we go, if we're in a competition, somebody has to come in second place. Somebody has to lose because it's a fast and furious life and we're racing to get somewhere. So we end up racing something in our life and somebody has to come in second place. So I want to talk about the points that I want to share with you guys today. And I'm talking about a race is a competition with a noun. A noun, a person, place, or thing. So the first point is, the first three points, or the only points is, who are you racing? Where are you racing to? And what are you racing from? So 
um, who are you racing? And automatically the first thing that came to mind is that one friend we all have that nobody says anything who always tries to outdo you in everything you do in life. We call them trolls on Facebook or Instagram, right? You post a picture of yourself with a brand new, I don't know, watch. They bust out, you know, a picture with two watches, the next pick. You know what I mean? Or they're always trying to outdo you. Let's say you bought, you know, you bought a new house. Well, I bought two and it has a pool. Uh, you know what I mean? And it's like these people, they're always constantly racing and competing against us. And we find that the more they compete, the more alone they feel, the more we step away from them. He's like, why can't you just be happy for me, bro? Like, I just, I spend my hard-earned money. You want to outdo me? Like, let me enjoy my moment. Right. And what ends up happening is as these people begin to compete or as we begin to race through this life, we begin to compete with other people around us and we effectively start erasing other people from our lives. Let me explain myself. The word erase. I don't want you. I'm going to give you a different meaning today. I want you to spell it E dash race because we're racing everywhere. Right. That's the theme. We've got to stick with it. So E effectively put everybody in second place, including God. Ouch, right? Yeah, it hurt me too when I wrote it. So when, when we think about that, as we race in life, you know, we, we don't think of it as, as, um, as trying to get somewhere. We think of it, oh, I am driven. Oh, I have goals to me. And that's a good thing. But at what cost? See, it doesn't matter how fast you go if you get there alone because success and winning by yourself is still a loss. There's nobody there to celebrate with you what you've accomplished, what you've encountered as you go through this race in life or this uh, fast and furious lifestyle. So what I'm recommending, and it's going to sound a little bit weird, is for you to pump the brakes a little bit. Like, Mike, like I, have to, like, I have to be somewhere. I have to be somebody. And let me tell you, you will be somebody. You will get there. But you need to slow down. And it shouldn't be at the cost of those surrounding you. I know from my personal experience I was, I was in, a, in a career where I was driven so much that I don't remember my first son's three or four years. Because I was so driven that I erase my family from my life. See, what ends up happening is everything is fine and dandy as long as I'm there for the birthdays and I'm there for dinner. But are we there emotionally helping those that are closest to us? You know, and it's okay. We, we think it's okay, but look, I'm number one. Look at all the zeros behind my paycheck. Look, look what I'm doing for being number one. But that's exactly it. You have nothing but zeros after you're number one. They're just, they don't bring any value to you. There's just a big hole where everything, they're sucking up your success and they're not helping you get better to continue moving forward. So I, I like what the beginning of the Bible says. It says, and we're going to read some scripture to just, I promise, we'll just, we'll read it at the end, okay? We're gonna, it's biblical at some point, right? So, what, what, I, what I like is at the beginning, when God created man, he created, he gave them all creation, everything around them. Everything a man can possess was at his fingertips, and he had control of it. Doesn't that sound familiar? We kind of want power over thing, control everything around us. And as he's there, having everything available to him, God says, it's not good for man to be alone. And that was at the beginning of time. So what happens now when we try to do things by ourselves? What happens when you fall down? Who's there to pick you up? You effectively erase everybody out of your life and put in second place. And from second place, it's hard to reach up when you're in number one. Come on, somebody. It's cool. Sorry, you don't have to talk to me. I'll just talk to myself a little bit. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is it's okay to pump the brakes in life. It's good. That connection card Pastor Makai was mentioning, it's for a reason. 
It's because we want to celebrate with you with your success, but we also want to be there and connect with you through your lowest points. See, the church is here to guide you along, and it shouldn't be at the expense of leaving somebody behind. The church is a community. It's not a single member, but multiple members that grows together with a common purpose to serve and honor God for everything that he's done for us. Point number two, because we're going kind of fast today, since you guys aren't talking back to me, so I'll just let you be. <laughs> Where are we racing to? And some of you are all like, um, Mike, I'm trying to race to my brunch, and if you don't hurry up and finish speaking, the line's going to get bigger at IHOP because they got the 59-cent pancakes. So you need to hurry. If you didn't know, they have 59-cent pancakes. So, and I'm telling you, it's okay. It's okay because, like I said at the beginning, you know, if it's not now, it's too late, and you're getting hangry, you're getting furious, you're going to kick me out of here. It's the last time I'm going to get to speak. I'm okay with that. But before I go, let me give you an example, <laughs> okay? Jesus lived, lived on earth for 33 years. In those 33 years, he had three years of ministry. And in those three years of ministry, you could read your Bible, and I read it. And if you like to compete with me, great. More power to you. I just want to let you know that I would still win because I got you to read your Bible. <laughs> okay? It never says that Jesus ran, rushed, walked swiftly, or did anything quickly. Jesus always took his time wherever he went. Right? And I like the way uh, I was listening to a pastor. His name is Pastor Todd. And he said, Jesus had the pace of grace. See, Jesus knew where he had to be, but he was more concerned about where he was at that moment given in time. See, he could have bypassed the journey of encountering with the disciples and healing people along the way. Jesus could have just gone straight to the cross, died on the sins, and called it a day, and he would have been done. But he was more concerned in teaching us that we could overcome any obstacle we face in our lives. He was more concerned about the journey, knowing that there was a cross at the end, but the journey was equally as important because he taught them. He showed them how to pray. He provided miracles. See, a lot of times we want to get everywhere so fast because we're, we're afraid we're going to miss out. It's called FOMA, right? Fear of missing out. Or we're, we feel like we're going to be left out and we're not going to be considered relevant. You know, or by the time we get there, there's going to be a new iPhone or there's a new update that happened, right? Like iPhone 16, the size of my pocket, right? <laughs> But the pace of grace doesn't conform to a fast and furious lifestyle. And there's a verse that goes kind of along with it. It says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but instead be renewed by your mind. So Jesus chose not to conform. See, because getting somewhere quickly or, or advancing somewhere quickly, you miss things along the way because everything is flying by. As you saw in the preview, as they were racing by, you didn't see anything that was happening in the background. You only saw one thing, that was the car. So a lot of times when we're racing somewhere, we're missing stuff that needs to be addressed. We're missing people that are hurting on the side of the road. We're missing key essentials because we want to get to our destination. And if it's not fast, we get furious because we're not there early enough. See, what I like about the pace of grace that Jesus said, the example he left for us is, Jesus had a walk, not the moonwalk, but he had a walk, right? He had a particular, he had a particular stride. He had a particular, like, swag, you know, just, I'm Jesus. I got this, right? But, <laughs> you like my walk? I'll do it again, right? No. <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is that the pace that Jesus set put him at the right place at the right time for a need. 
For example, there was a, there's, a, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus is walking to heal a sick child. But in his way to heal the sick child who's about to die, there's a lady who's been suffering, who has an issue of blood for the last 12 years. And as Jesus is walking by, she reaches out and touches his garment. And she is instantly healed. Let's flip that script here for a second. If Jesus had been running to the sick child, she wouldn't have been able to grab him because Jesus would have just, she would have just missed him. But the pace of grace created the perfect timing for her to touch his robe. See, Jesus heard that Lazarus was dying. His best friend was dying. And he still chose not to get up and run where he was, but instead he sent his word. A lot of times we get a word from God and we feel like, oh my goodness, it's not happening. He made a promise. But let me tell you, when he sends his word, it's already done. Because the Bible tells me he is out, and this is a little bit more biblical than what we're used to, but don't worry about it. This is alpha, he means is alpha and omega, beginning and the end. The only way to know the end is if you've been there already. See, where I'm from in Puerto Rico, I was born and raised. My dad used to tell me when I try to outsmart him, he would tell me, son, by the time you got here, I had already gone and came back, and now I'm taking you by the hand. <laughs> kind of outsmarted me, right? But as I was studying and as I was preparing for this message, I understood that's what exactly Alpha and Omega is. He already went and he came back, and now he's taking us by the hand, guiding us at the right pace. And a lot of times what you try to do is like my little, my little daughter, she tries to yank my hand. No, 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 we want to go the other way. There's a pace of grace. And a lot of times we don't understand that things that happen because we feel like we're being slowed down. Um, and I'm, I'm going to just share this with you. And I asked her permission, so it's okay. My beautiful niece and her boyfriend are here with us today. So, hi. Right? Um, and it's a pleasure to have you guys here, so thank you for coming. Um, they, he is a big soccer fan. Uh, he is such a big soccer fan that he bought tickets to this big game that was taking place at Stanford. As you could tell, I'm not a soccer fan because I don't know who was playing or what they were playing for, right? But there was, event, there was an event happening. There was a big soccer tournament. He buys the ticket ahead of time. He gets ready to go. And on their way, things start to happen to them, right? First thing that happens is um, their phones start dying on their way. The problem with that is that's where the tickets were to enter the game, right? Not only that, they parked their car, and now the Uber app won't load, so now they can't get to the stadium. They finally get their phone up and running. The Uber guy shows up. They get to the stadium. His cell phone dies. No tickets. So as they're walking up, him, you know, trying to be all steadily. I'm watching him. As he's walking out steadily with my knees, they're walking up to the ticket counter, and they hear somebody else say, Man, I hate this. They make a girl, of course. She was like, I brought my purse. They won't let me take it, and I have to go back to my car. And he does that slow turn all guys do, right? The, you have your purse with you. <laughs> my niece had her purse with her. So now, not only had they been trying to get to this place, now he has to run all the way back to the car without the Uber to drop off her purse so they could be led into the stadium, right? So officially, hashtag worst date ever. So... <laughs> So what ends up happening is that he runs back, he's tired, he's sweaty, he doesn't smell good anymore, thank God. <laughs> um, and they get to the ticket booth and he tells them, hey, my cell phone died, how do I go about getting my tickets? The lady goes, well, I'm glad you're here. The ticket booth is over there. <laughs> exactly. Now, you, I need you to understand, he's such a soccer fan that he only wanted to catch the opening credits, he also wanted to catch the closing credits. So at this point, they felt like giving up. 
And my niece is telling me the story. So they're walking up, and as they're getting to the ticket booth, he says, you know, he get, they walk all the way across to the other side of the stadium. Um, they get there, and, the, and he's like, hey, I, I, you know, my, phone's, my tickets are in my phone. And as he's saying that, some guy walking by, he's like, hey. There's a guy walking by. Sorry, I'm speaking a little bit fast. Says to him, hey, um, you don't have your tickets. No, my cell phone. And he's like, you can have mine. And he's like, you sure? He's like, yeah, yeah, man, don't worry about it. It's, it's all good here. We're not going to stay. I didn't even want to come anyway. So gives him the tickets, right? He's like, okay. What they didn't know is everything they had gone up to was leading them to this moment because the tickets they had weren't just regular plastic hurt your butt seats, right? The little squeeze ones. They had office box tickets. They had the sky box tickets with the leather chair, you know, the one that keeps you cold and hot because, you know, they have to be fancy. They had the chairs that overlooked the whole stadium, and it doesn't matter who stood up, they still had a clear picture. They had the kind of tickets that when you open the window when it got hot and you close it when it got cold. They had the tickets that had all-inclusive food, beverage, their own personal bathroom. They didn't have to wait in line. But all of that happened with all the wrong things that happened before. The point that I'm trying to get at is when we're in the pace of grace, things are going to happen in our life that don't make sense. Things that seem like, oh my goodness, God, why are you putting me through this? Hashtag me, right? God, why are you allowing these things to fall apart? I have a goal. I have somewhere to be. I want to be somebody. Why are you allowing this to happen? And God is saying, this is my pace. And I'm going to take you at the right place. I'm going to put you at the right pace. So when you get where you need to get to, you will show up with my favor and my power. Right? I heard this, I'm not even here, I read it on, on Instagram. You know, it's like the second Bible to some people. It says, fast success builds your ego. Slow success builds your character. So as we're racing to our next destination, I want you to think about this. Are you building your ego? Is that why you're racing to where you want to be? Or are you building your character in the process and you choose to take the pace of grace? Who around you is waiting for you to take not a stride, but a right pace at the right time and bring them along with them? Think about it. Many of us are here today because somebody decided to follow the pace of grace and invite us to a place called church. A place where there's healing, a place where we're built. The pace of grace will mean you have to slow down and not conform to a fast and furious life. So it doesn't make sense to slow down but it will make sense when you get to the end. Hashtag, this is not the end. <laughs> Next point. What are we racing from? What are we racing from? This one hit me like a ton of bricks. Because as I was writing this point, I could relate to it so much, I didn't know if I could actually go through with putting in all the, everything I wanted to say. See, a lot of times we become so busy in our daily lives, we race and we fill up our schedules to the point where there's no breathing room to process things in our life. Because we're at a, we, we have a mindset that if we avoid the things, the emotions, the feelings, we, we race past them, it is going to be okay to the next day. And then we wonder when we lay down at night, we have all these racing thoughts. Is it, could it be that we're racing from something? Now, see, I'm going to just call it it, because your it is going to be different than my it. Because what I went through, right, 
I was so busy, like I mentioned, I was so busy and so focused on my career and things that I was doing, even serving in the church as a volunteer. Ouch. That I suppressed everything else that was going on in my life because I could not deal with those things at that moment. See, a lot of times what we try to do is we try to take the it's in our life, pull over on the side of the road, open the door, right? Throw up the deuces and just take off. And what ends up happening is as we continue going and we stop to refuel our gas tank, it's right there waiting for us. Hey, how you doing? Cheese. I'm back and I brought some more friends. Because what happens when we don't deal with the it's in life trying to avoid them, they get bigger, they get heavier. And not only that, what ends up happening is they become a ticking time bomb with a faulty trigger. So as you're racing through this fast and furious society, as you're conforming, because you're avoiding having to deal with all these other issues or the consequences that you encounter, the hurts that happened in the past, all these things, the, the bomb is ticking. And you're like, oh, I can make it. Don't worry. I can just keep it back there. I don't have to worry about it. But it has a faulty trigger. And when it goes off, you end up crashing like Van Diesel did, right? Van Diesel, that's my Spanish coming out. <laughs> right? You end up crashing. And we see that it's more and more common nowadays to see people who are stuck, people who have to step away because they encountered the most, the most common one is a depression or they encounter some kind of uh, emotional car wreck because they decided not to deal with the things that were happening around them. See, avoidance is just another way of racing from what we have to deal with in our lives. And the sad part to that is that when you crash, you probably end up getting hurt. The sad part to that is that when you crash, there's going to be wounds that are going to be open that need to be treated. But because we effectively erased everybody racing to where we needed to be, getting to where we wanted to get to, wanting to do what we were wanting to do, there's nobody there to help us get up. The good part about this whole story, and I'm standing here today as a living witness, that there's a positive side to this. There's a Jesus who died on the cross for you and I. There is a God. Amen. Yes, give him some praise. There is a God who's willing to walk with you even after the crash. There's a God who the Bible tells me will not give you a burden more than you, more than you, you can carry. I know it better in Spanish, so I'm sorry. I learned Spanish before I did English. So my verses, they happen in Spanish, and then they come out in English. So if I stumble a little bit, don't worry about it. Just go with it and just, just nod your head, okay? <laughs> he will not give you a burden more than what you can carry. He also says that he will be with you every step of the way. And in the Bible, the Bible that I read, it should be the same one you read as well, says that it was better for him to leave so that he could leave us the comforter, the Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Because when we choose to deal with the it's in our life, a lot of times we feel like we don't want to. Number one, because it's shameful. Why did that happen to me? I shouldn't have gone through that. It stirs up feelings within us. It stirs up things and emotions we don't want to deal with. Emotions that we really don't want to face because I should not have to deal with this. But that's when the comforter steps in. And he robes us. He takes care of us and heals our wounds. But we have to be willing to do it. Not race from it. And I told you I was going to give you some scripture. So if you could put up the scripture, I would really appreciate it. Because it wouldn't be a message without a scripture, right? (laughs) 
We're going to read in Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 30 through 35. And this is the parable of the Good Samaritan, not the hospital, but this is where they got their, their name from, right? And it reads like this. Then Jesus answered and said, and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Let me pause right there. I need to give you this context so you understand. In that time frame, that pass or that walkway was 17 miles long. Why do you care? I'm going to explain it. It was also through desert country. So it was known, the nickname for this road was known as the Bloody Pass, right? The Bloody Pass because thieves would hide along the way and beat you up and take yourself along the way. Kind of like life, right? Going back to it. So a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. I want you to remember that, the other side. Can you guys say that with me? Thank you. Likewise, a Levite or somebody who volunteers or serves in the church, when he arrived at the place, came and he looked and passed by on the Good, you guys are listening. <laughs> but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn or hotel, and took care of him. Next verse, please. And on the next day, when he departed, he took two denarii, which was about the two days wages. When he departed, he took out a denarii and gave it to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. The reason I chose this particular verse or scripture, first of all, is because God gave it to me, uh, right? Second, I was like, God, what are you trying to say through this? And you could put up the, the points. That'd be great. See, a lot of times we find ourselves as one of the characters in the story. We find ourselves as, the, as, as one of these guys in the, you know, in the story. We find ourselves rushing everywhere, conforming to this fast and furious lifestyle and leaving people as we see them half dead on the side. Not dead, but half dead. Meaning they still have a chance at life. Leaving them and not, not only passing close to them, but we step to the other side. Because any slowdown is too much. When we get to the Levite, he does the same thing, but he does something different. See, the priest just kind of walked by him on the other side. So he saw him at a distance. The Levite saw the, the scripture that he looked at him. He saw them. Doesn't, never says he stopped. Never stopped. He went to the other side as well. And there was other laws that were in play. And we could talk about that at another time but he crossed to the other side and continued on his way. First question for you guys to think about as you guys go on your week, where were they going that was so important to leave somebody who was almost dead, let them die? Who have we left behind in our daily walk as Christians, as non-Christians, as believers, or as just regular people because we had somewhere to be that didn't really matter? What happens to those folks? Where were they going that was so important that life, somebody's life was not worth it? 
Somebody told me life was priceless, but here in the scripture, we see that it did have a price. It was a destination, an accomplishment. They had to be somewhere so that life didn't matter. See, the, the next guy we see in this, in this parable is the Good Samaritan, a symbolism of Jesus. He also had somewhere to be. He also, he said he was on a journey. He had to be somewhere. You just don't go on a car ride to go. What was the last time you just got in your car and drove? And don't say when you were upset, because I do that sometimes. <laughs> Some of us do that. Last time I made it all the way to San Francisco and couldn't figure out how to get back home. But, <laughs> but a lot of times when we get in our vehicles, it's to go from point A to point B. He had somewhere else to be. But as he was walking, he saw the man as well. Now, his reaction was different because he had compassion over the man. Over the person that still had a chance at life. And not only that, it says that he picked him up, he healed his wounds, and he put him on his animal. Why is that important? He risked his own life at the life of somebody who was almost dead. They call it the bloody pass. He was risking his life. He was risking himself being hurt or being or ended up in the same position that he was but he didn't care because he had compassion. He cared so much about him that it didn't matter that he had to walk the rest of the 17 miles. And I forgot to tell you, there was a 3,000 foot incline that was happening all at the same time. So it wasn't an easy walk, but he chose to carry him in his animal. And then he brought him to an inn, a hotel, where he could be restored, where he could continue healing, hashtag, church. He brought him to a place, and not only there when he brought him, he said the next day when he woke up, he said to him, hey, whatever else is going to cost, I'll take care of it. Kind of like the cross. And I purposely left the other character, and if the worship team can come out and help me, I would really appreciate it. The, the, the last character that I didn't include was the guy who was left half dead. The guy that was left half dead sometimes is us. And depending on what Caesar we're in, we will find ourselves half dead on the side of the road waiting for somebody to stop and not look at us, but help us. A lot of times we want to be the people who want to get somewhere because we need to get a building, we need to grow, we need to do all these things for God, but at what cost? Is it worth somebody's salvation? And if you're the character that's on the side of the road being let half dead by this fast and furious life, wouldn't you want somebody to stop for you? See, when we conform to a fast and furious society, we're allowing ourselves to bypass all the things that actually matter. We all have somewhere to be We all want to get somewhere, but it should not be at the cost of somebody on the road. See, I was once the guy who was last half dead on the the side of the road. That career that I told you about at the beginning, they eliminated my position and they said, thank you for your 10 years of service. We appreciate you. There's a door. Don't let it hit you on your way out. Not like that. That's the way I took it, but... What I'm trying to say is I devoted myself to something that left me and went to the other side of the road and continued on their journey. 
And when I had nothing else left because I had erased, effectively left everyone in second place in my life, Jesus came down and reached out. He had compassion over my life. He picked me up. I didn't even, I didn't even have to say anything. I just reached, I just looked at him. He looked at me. He had compassion. So what you're seeing is a guy who was left for dead being brought back to life. And I want to invite you this morning just to stand up with me. And I want you to consider the scripture. Which character are you in this parable or in the story? If you're saying, Mike, Misael, whatever you guys want to call me, I'm fine either way, as long as you don't call me Missile. I'm that person who's half dead on the side of the road. Mike, I'm that guy who was rushing past everybody else, crossing to the other side because I couldn't slow down. Or you're the person that says, Mike, I don't even know who the Good Samaritan is. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.